the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City, WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Now, the second truth about salvation that is revealed in these parables is a precious truth. It is this. Salvation must be personally received. Both the man who found the hidden treasure and the wholesale merchant who discovered this amazing pearl, they didn't simply admire it. They both actively did something to secure these valued items. That's, that's what's great about this. Both of them made a decision to sell everything they owned in order to purchase what they wanted. Have you ever wanted something so much that you would sacrifice almost anything to get it? If we are willing to do that for some earthly possession, shouldn't we be willing to do the same thing for an eternal heavenly gift? God said in Jeremiah 29, 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The parable found in Matthew 13 of the hidden treasure and the costly pearl is our topic today on Verse by Verse. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel will conclude his three-part study into this fascinating story Jesus told his disciples. Stay tuned to the end, and I'll share with you information on how to obtain this month's book offer, Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd. Now here with today's class is Pastor Steve. Now this woman, we're told in John 4, just came to get water at a well. That's all she was interested in doing. She apparently, as the conversation unfolds, we learn that she apparently was very satisfied in her Samaritan way of worship and religion. She wasn't looking to make a change in her core beliefs. In fact, she said to Jesus, as he engaged her in a conversation, she said, you Jews worship in Jerusalem, but we Samaritans worship In another place, she meant Mount Gerizim, which is where their temple was. So she wasn't looking to make a change. She seems very satisfied with her Samaritan worship, sort of puts down Jesus for being a Jew worshiping in Jerusalem. She was also an immoral woman because Jesus said, go and tell your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're absolutely right. You've had several before. The man you're living with now, you're not married to. And she said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And Jesus went on to tell her that he was more than a prophet because she made the comment, I know that when Messiah comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. So in this conversation, we realize that this woman only came trying to get some some water. But as Jesus encountered her, he opened her heart to the gospel. All she wanted that day, all she was really looking for was just some liquid water to draw from a well, but the Lord revealed to her heart the great need she had for living water that would never run dry, and that came by faith in him. This woman became a believer, went to her town and told everybody else, and they came to speak to Christ, and many believed. 
You know, I was thinking about this this week. I, as I look back on my own conversion as an 18-year-old freshman at the University of South Florida, I realized that I, I really wasn't interested in finding out about Jesus Christ. I had absolutely no attraction to the gospel. I wasn't absorbed or preoccupied in knowing about Christ. I, I really didn't care. I didn't care at all. But I had a friend who did care. I had a friend who was a new believer in Christ, and he witnessed to me, and he loved the Lord, and I kept telling him I didn't want to hear this, and so I I finally decided to purchase a Bible, and I decided that I would read the New Testament so that I could intelligently tell my friend why I didn't believe in Jesus. I thought I needed to give something of substance, but it was while I was reading the New Testament, I didn't really get very far, it was just the Gospel of Matthew, that I discovered the priceless treasure of Jesus Christ. I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't interested. But first, I came to admire him as a man, and then I came to worship him as Lord and Savior. And that's really been the experience of so many people who have come to faith in Christ. They weren't pursuing him. They saw no need in their life for him, but God sovereignly chose to open their hearts to the gospel and bring them into his kingdom. There is a wonderful verse, and you don't need to turn there, but I definitely would mark this down in your notes. Isaiah 65, verse 1. It speaks of God's sovereign work of grace in revealing himself to those who previously had no interest in him. This is Isaiah 65, verse 1. It is important. The Apostle Paul will later use this very verse in Romans to make a very significant point. Isaiah 65 verse 1 says this, I, God speaking through the prophet, I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. The Apostle Paul uses this very verse in Romans chapter 10 and applies it to Gentiles in the first century who came to faith in Christ, even though they were not looking for him. Paul speaks of them as a nation. Now, he doesn't mean one literal nation, but as a nation of Gentiles as opposed to the Jewish nation who had all the information they needed, all the religious trappings and things that they, that they needed, and yet... The nation of Israel, for the most part, they weren't interested. The Gentiles, they were very interested because God did that interest in their hearts. Initially, they weren't interested, and that's the point. The Gentiles of Christ's day were caught up in their paganism. They initially didn't care about the God who had revealed himself to the Jewish people, but God allowed them to pursue him. He opened their hearts. The Gentiles of Christ's day believed in a plurality of uncaring, unmerciful gods. They weren't looking to find the one true God who is merciful, but God opened their hearts to the gospel. Most Gentiles of of Christ's day didn't know about the messianic prophecies found in scripture, as did all Jewish people of, of those times, and yet the Lord allowed them to find him, though at first they were not looking. They had no understanding of God's holiness, no need they felt for a substitute sacrifice for their sins like the Jewish people knew, and yet they were not seeking him initially, but they found him. And why did so many Gentiles of that day come to faith in Christ and are still coming to him? Because God sovereignly permitted himself, as he says in Isaiah, to be found by those who did not seek him. 
That's been the experience of many people down through the years and may indeed fit the experience of many here today. God has sovereignly brought you to himself, even though you had no prior interest in knowing him. You saw no need in your life to know him, yet he permitted himself to be found by you like the man in the first parable who was permitted to find the hidden treasure. Just sort of stumbled upon it as it looks like we stumble upon Christ, even though we understand God behind the scenes is opening our hearts. On the other hand, we have the merchant in the second parable who was seeking fine pearls, and he represents someone who comes to Christ under very different circumstances. Unlike the man who came upon his treasure without looking for it, this man did make a diligent search for his treasure. He traveled the world over looking for the finest of pearls. Now, what kind of a saved person does this man represent? He represents the kind of person who, before coming to Christ, was very interested in spiritual reality. Very interested. He was the type of individual who was looking for something more in his life than just making money, just raising a family, just having a good time, because he realized that his life lacked purpose and it lacked meaning. Oftentimes, people like this embrace one religion after another. They often go from one type of church to another looking for the truth, or they get involved in philosophy. They're reading all the books. They're trying to figure it all out, trying to find something that will satisfy their aching heart, their heart that's restless, but they don't find anything. They don't find anything in religion or philosophy or self-help books. They don't find anything to meet the deep emptiness and void in their life until, until the Lord sovereignly reveals Christ to their hearts. And like the merchant who finally found the perfect pearl that he had been searching for, this type of sinner, upon realizing the true value of Christ, knows that he has at last found the answer to the deepest cries of his heart. His search is over. Search is over. There are many people who have come to Christ under similar circumstances. After years of diligently searching for the truth in religion and man-made philosophies, Seeking for God, God reveals himself to them. And understand this, they were only seeking for him because God had first placed it in their hearts to look for him. Scripture mentions several individuals like this. I'm going to bring to your mind two of them because that's all you really need to grasp this in terms of illustrations. There's a man, very famous man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, verse 2, is referred to as a devout man and one who feared God. He was a Gentile. He feared God in the sense of meaning he feared the God of Israel. So he was a Gentile, but he recognized the truth of Judaism. But he wasn't saved. He prayed diligently. He sought the Lord. And God eventually sent the apostle Peter to Cornelius' home in Joppa. And Peter preached Christ to him. And his search was over. He believed on the Lord. He believed on the Lord. Then there's a man by the, by, well, we don't know his name. He's called the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He was also a Gentile who was seeking God. He was a convert to Judaism. This man, we're told, specifically came to the city of Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And upon returning, he is riding in a chariot. And God sends Philip. Philip to explain to this man, as he's riding in a chariot, explain to him the gospel. The man is, by God's providence, reading from the book of Isaiah. 
He comes to Isaiah 53, in which Isaiah presents Jesus as being rejected by Israel, but going to the cross and dying for our sins. And Philip says to him, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no. Is this passage about the prophet Isaiah himself, or is he speaking of someone else? Philip, it says, preached Christ to him. He explained to him what Isaiah 53 was about, or I should say who it was about. And this man who had been a seeker of truth, presumably for a very long time, he knew that in Christ he had finally found what he had been searching for. And so it says that he believed on Jesus as the Son of God. In fact, he was even baptized right after that. Now, what do we learn from these two parables? We learn that, that from these parables and the numerous examples in Scripture that people enter salvation under various circumstances and situations. Some are apathetic about spiritual truth, and some spend many years in pursuit of spiritual truth. It really doesn't matter what your background is. What matters is that you came into the kingdom because God opened your eyes. You didn't just figure it out. You didn't just get clever enough and have enough of, of your own ingenuity to figure out the truth. God shone the light into your hearts, regardless of your background, and you came to Christ because of him. You saw the value of salvation because God showed you the value. That's the grace of God. So the first truth about salvation that is revealed in these parables is that salvation comes to people under different circumstances. So don't allow people's circumstances to to turn you one way or another as far as witnessing, thinking that, oh, this person, they're, they're not interested. You never know. What's going to happen? Just keep throwing the seed. Or this person is, has tried every religion. They're not interested in hearing one more thing, but finally the truth. No, just keep throwing the seed. Now, the second truth about salvation that is revealed in these parables is a precious truth. It is this. Salvation must be personally received. It has to be personally received. One of the most important lessons that we can learn from these two parables is that salvation has to be personally appropriated or received. It's, I'm using those words as synonyms. Both the man who found the hidden treasure and the wholesale merchant who discovered this amazing pearl noticed that they didn't see something of great value that they wanted and just walk away. They didn't simply admire it. They both actively did something to secure these valued items. That's, that's what's great about this. Both of them made a decision to sell everything they owned in order to purchase what they wanted. Now, what this tells us about salvation is that it is only experienced by those who personally, underscore that, personally receive it. It is not enough to admire the gospel. It is not enough to be impressed with Jesus Christ. There was a time in my life, I told you, as I was reading the Gospel of Matthew for the first time, that I was impressed with Christ, but I wasn't saved because I was impressed with Christ. And you're not saved either because you intellectually know about Jesus and salvation and maybe even admire it. And maybe you've even said to other people, I'm glad that works for you. I can certainly see in your life how this has changed you. That's not enough. There are many people who know the Gospel and commend it, admire it, but they still aren't saved. Why? Because they have never personally received Christ. How do we receive him? The answer is told to us in John chapter 1. So I'd like you to look there. This is the difference between heaven and hell. John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, 
John tells us concerning Christ in verse 11, he came to his own. It means he came to his own nation. He came to the Jewish people. He came to his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. For the most part, the nation rejected him. One way of translating this is that Jesus came home. He came home to his own people and they said no. They didn't receive him. But that wasn't true of everyone because verse 12 says, but as many as received him, there were some, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those, notice this, who believe in his name. John is just clarifying that receiving Christ is equal to believing in his name. What does it mean to receive Christ? It means that you have faith in Christ. You have faith specifically that Christ's death paid the price for your sins. That Jesus Christ is God who became a man. And when he died on the cross and let man scourge him and mock him and beat him and ridicule him and spit in his face and torture him and murder him, he was doing it for sinners like you and me. The glorious God, creator of heaven and earth, became a man who died purposely for us. And when you believe that, not simply intellectually accept the facts, but when you trust him that it was for you personally, that's what it means to receive Christ. Let me expand on this. Receiving Christ means that you, you welcome him into your life as your Savior, as well as your Lord. It's not something that you reluctantly do because you just have to give up so much to become a Christian. It's not like, all right, I'll do it, but I don't really want to. It's something that you want to do because God has changed your heart. God has given you a a new nature. It's called regeneration. and, And now you will joyfully receive him regardless of how much it personally costs you. That's what it means to receive him. It means to welcome him into your life, to warmly embrace him. Notice what the man in the first parable did when he found the hidden treasure. It says this, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The man was joyful. Although this man gave up everything else he owned just to purchase this treasure, Jesus said he was overjoyed in doing it. He didn't say, well, this means a lot to me. I hate to give it up, but I guess I will. He didn't have that at all. He didn't give it a second thought. That's the way it is with everyone who comes to Christ. There is joy in welcoming Jesus Christ into your life. Even if receiving him means that you, that you are now going to lose a good relationship with your unsaved parents. There is joy in welcoming Jesus into your life. Even if receiving him means giving up a sinful lifestyle that you have enjoyed for many years. There is joy in welcoming Jesus Christ into your life. Even if it means that your closest friends won't have anything to do with you. There's even joy in welcoming Jesus into your life when you know that your decision to trust him as Lord and Savior will, not maybe, but will cost you your physical life. I remind you of Matthew 10, which we looked at last week, but this is so important. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said this. He said in verse 37 of Matthew 10, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. That is precisely 
the point of the great Martin Luther hymn that we sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We sang this, Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Let goods and kindred go. Have you done that? Have you done that? Have you gladly given up all for Christ, mom and dad, son and daughter, perhaps even a spouse that you have a good relationship with, but after coming to Christ, you might not? The body they may kill. In some places, they know when they accept Jesus, they're going to die. For you and I, we may, but we have to be willing to do that. That's what it means to take up our cross. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, because the body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is not only forever, it's precious. Let's bow for prayer. Have you ever let goods and kindred go? Have you ever personally Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Have you ever called upon the Lord to save you, recognizing that you are lost, you are sinful, you are wicked, you deserve judgment? But God in his mercy had become a man and died for sinners like us. Have you ever come to him knowing that You're unworthy of him, but he's worth all that you might have to give up for him. It's not enough for you to be aware of his value. You have to appropriate him for yourself. There must be a a point in your life where you personally welcome Christ into it as your Savior and Lord. Have you ever done this? Have you come as a lost and desperate sinner knowing that you are spiritually bankrupt? You have nothing. Nothing of any value to him, but he has everything of value to give you himself and all the spiritual riches of knowing him. You can do that today by giving up and turning away from everything you know in your life to be sin and receive him into your life. I I hope that you'll do that. I urge you to do that. And for those of you who already know him, I ask you this, is it possible that Your focus has not been on the preciousness of Christ. It's easy to lose sight of that. It's easy to get caught up in our very busy lives, maybe even serve the Lord, be active in serving him, but forget that that he himself is that pearl of great price. Have you worshipped him? Do you come into this building on Sundays with hearts that are worshipping, adoring him, seeing him and savoring him for all that he is. That's what he wants. That's what he's worth. And we need to give him that worship. Father, thank you for allowing us to study these parables. Lord, these are precious. These are truths that I pray will grip our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who have never personally received Christ. Perhaps they've been looking For the truth, perhaps they've been apathetic, but I pray that you would break upon their lost souls the sunshine of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to you. 
I pray, Father, for those of us who know you, may Christ be our first love. May we see him uh, for who he is and value him, Lord, by worshiping him, adoring him, savoring him, magnifying and exalting and glorifying him. Lord, help us not to be so caught up, even in the things you give us, to the neglect of yourself. May our hearts be warmed by the glow of of your value and preciousness. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for explaining this parable so clearly. You can listen to this class again and many others by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on Message Archive and then on Sort by Date. Download as many as you want for free. You can also sign up for our free monthly newsletter and our free podcasting service. That website again is versebyverseradio.org. While there, you can also make a contribution to Verse by Verse Ministries. We are sending a copy of Steve's newly released book, Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd, for a contribution of any size to Verse by Verse Ministries. You can donate online by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org, click on the Support Us tab, and then scroll down to the Donate button. You may also contribute by mail. Send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.